Hey everyone, Wade in the editing booth here. Welcome to this special mini-sode of You Watched It Wrong, which you can see by its running time didn't turn out as a mini-sode. I just wanted to give you a warning up top. We tell some personal stories in this episode, which examines the use of uh, some hateful epithets, mainly towards gay men and those with intellectual disabilities. So, while I feel that our intent is mostly obvious in the conversation, uh, I still felt it necessary to address it up top because we live in a world now that is so full of hate and indifference toward our fellow human beings um, that I didn't want to unwittingly contribute to that in any way, especially given that the whole reason for discussing it was to show the opposite. And as always, this could be treated as the beginning of a conversation, not the end of one. So we are incredibly open to being told when we are being ass faces. <laughs> that said, it's a fun episode. There's also some interstellar spoilers in there if you care. <laughs> um, enjoy. You watched it wrong. Welcome, welcome, welcome to You Watched It Wrong. And let me steal yet another person's intro for this special mini-sode. So just, I, it just occurred to me that... Um, the last couple of times I've said, welcome, welcome, welcome. And then I was yeah. watching last week tonight and I heard that that's the exact same thing. And that's where ah, I stole it. So I'll steal a couple more. Um, I'll, it I'll, does have kind of a sideshow Barker uh, yeah. feel to it. <laughs> it does. I'll be, let me steal. What's up, hot dog? Uh, let me steal. Um, uh, I don't know. I can't think of another one right now. <laughs> that bit fell down. Hello, fuckanauts. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> what the watchers? What the what the watchables? What the... Watching ears. So, welcome to this special Get Out Minisode update. So, it's been about a couple of months since our last conversation, our last episode of Get Out. Much apologies. But, um, uh, and so Get Out has come out on video. I, of course, bought it instantly when it was first available streaming. A couple of things we want to catch up on. Uh, first of all, just first point of business, from our last episode, we had a couple of debates that I think are now settled. Like, one... Um, uh, the Andre versus Andrew conundrum, because we kept oh. saying Andre, we kept saying that yes. the, we kept saying Andre, and then IMDb said Andrew, and we were like, that didn't sound right. Do we call Dre? Is Dre short for Andrew? No, yeah. it's not. It was Andre. IMDb's shockingly wrong. Hey, <laughs> so it right. was Andre. There I, you go. I, it's not often I remember anyone's name correctly. <laughs> um, well, you did so better I'm... than the Internet Movie Database. Um, other things we try, we try to figure out how the fire start. We couldn't remember how the fire started in the actual uh, in the actual house. Oh, he knocks over the candle. Oh, okay, right? Yeah, I guess so. I I didn't know, but like, but I look back at it, and and I, I your comment was perfect. That uh, why are there candles in the surgery room? And more importantly, yeah. why is there a candle set on what's obviously a mic stand? Uh, oh, was it? Yeah, it's on a mic stand. <laughs> it. It's the only part of the movie that feels like an afterthought. But <laughs> at the time, I didn't I didn't question it. It was like, oh, there's a fire. Great. He knocked something over and there's a fire. Um, so, you know, hey, we can say we have one quibble, but does it matter? No, I don't think so. Um, it's not, I'm not quite as ready to say that. I'm, I'm almost willing to say that any movie could be or any movie scene could be improved by fire. <laughs> but not it's by. It's not up there. It's not quite up there with um, every scene with the helicopter would be better if it was with a hot air balloon, <laughs> which is my number one 
<laughs> rule of cinema. Followed closely behind by um, every movie should end with one of the characters saying the title of the movie. That oh, should yeah. always be the last. <laughs> Ideally, I, I, that's how every movie would end. I, I, in an ideal world, which uh, this week and month has proven not necessarily to be that. Um, let's see. Uh, also, uh, we, we had the debate whether or not... Uh, uh, the brother shows up when he uh, first captures Andre in the beginning, whether he's wearing a white suit or not. He was not, weirdly. No. Okay. Yeah. He was just. That was the only thing you remembered. He had about. a white. He had a. No, I, yeah, he had a. He was driving his white car, which you were right. He, it is playing Run Rabbit. Oh, yeah. No, I, yeah. Uh, I, I've uh, since. Um, mm -hmm. I should have sent you. I, I've tracked down the recording of the song he oh. was listening to, which yeah. is pretty. It manages to be jaunty and creepy all on its own. Um, it's perfect. I was off by a couple decades. It was from the well, it predates World War II, um, and it was uh, Winston, Winston Churchill's favorite song. Really? Um, yeah, and he would listen to it uh, during the Blitz. I guess I don't know. It, <laughs> it, it became, or it became like a. It somehow became like a reference point during the the London Blitz of. Um, hmm of how they were going to shoot the Germans if they came on to, if they landed on British soil or something like that. I don't, I don't remember the huh. whole story now. Interesting. On second viewing, a number of things st st uh, stuck out for me. One, one of which being, well, first of all, being the score. Um, the score is fantastic and really unique. And um, I think Jordan Peele said on the Nerdist podcast recently, um, that the uh, person he hired to do the score was um, was someone who'd never done a score before. And uh, he specifically asked, and I, I shouldn't have gone down this line thinking because I can't remember what he said he asked for. <laughs> but it was fascinating. <laughs> I'll just cut that part out. Um, no, 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 keep this in. So uh, I haven't seen it again. Okay. Um, but I did read a little bit of Jordan Peele talking about the score mm -hmm. um, and how he... He wanted something with an African roots or African-American roots in the music, but to not sound. He said uh, they would try different things and none of it sounded right. And he realized it was because African music uh, at its core has hope um, like woven into it. Like there's wow. always something hopeful in African-American music. And so he that's when he knew what to ask for. I need I need something that sounds has that sound, but has no hope in it. it sounds wow. hopeless. So that's what that um, See, are... number these are choices by a smart person. These are smart <laughs> choices. I always think observant. You know, observant, someone sensitive yeah. and observant. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. I, I remember. I mean, this sounds so. In, in, and also, it's so beautifully simple because I, I remember uh, one of my favorite. My, what might very well be my favorite movie, um, The Host. Um, listening to the watching the special features where they're talking about the creature design, and one of the people said, "We this since this is a creature that's you know, a mutation." Um, we have to design it that it's got to look like it hurts, like it hurts to exist. And because it shouldn't be, because it shouldn't. Yeah. You know, like, like yeah. this thing, it, it hurts just to be. And I'm like, and that's what they put. That's how, where they went from for the creature design. And I was like, wow, that's, I don't know why, but that it, it's so simple, but it, it, it was such a, to me, such a, a beautifully clear way to start work. And they achieved that. Like it does have yeah. that feeling. It looks like while it's still being pretty nimble. 
yeah. both in and out of the water. Yeah. Also, the thing, I mean, I thought that the uh, uh, actor playing Chris, I f- knew he had a great performance when I first saw it. Seeing it again, it's the best performance I've seen in, I don't know how long. It's incredible. On sec- it, all the performances, in fact. I was afraid that uh, when watching it again, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hold up. Well, not hold up, but it, the the a lot of the magic would be gone because we'd just be now, now seeing all the, you know, where the character's being truthful, where the character's not being truthful, and like it yeah. just would lose the magic. It didn't. You'd it, see the gears turning. You'd, yeah, you'd see uh, the gears turning, yeah. and it would be less. The reveals wouldn't be as meaningful because I've seen how the the trick works. But man, oh man, it really makes. You, I mean, um, especially his performance. Because you really just see him constantly, like, deflecting, and like the moment he has any sort of something to be uh, feel, I guess, quote unquote, negative about, he immediately withdraws. Right? Just that I'm mm-hmm. good. I'm not a problem. I'm good. I'm good. And like it's, it's, it's so, it's so such a deft and thoughtful and 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 wonderfully executed performance. So I really hope he gets a, some sort of nomination. For this movie because it's it's stellar so can i ask you a question yes so you've seen it twice i've only seen it once mm-hmm. um the second time did it feel any less like a horror movie because that's one of the criticisms against it is that it's not actually scary well, it, that it, it comes off just like a, a metaphor and not as it doesn't for you know, I I've heard that set of it. That yeah, I have too. You know, I've heard it a lot, yeah. and it 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 bugs me. <laughs> it bugs me because what's not scary about what happens in that movie? <laughs> you know, and like like I have a lot of people who call it a lot of people, a lot of friends, a lot of colleagues, and and critics I've read uh, that basically have said, well, it's more of a social thriller. It's really more of a thriller. Yeah. That's, they're calling them social thrillers, but like, and 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 if they want to create that genre, that's fine. But they keep saying it's more like a thriller. I'm like, why is it? It's more not like, like a. But it's, it's not, not like, like a thriller. A thriller. A th- I mean, I mean, is it more like a thriller because there's no creature? Because and he goes, well, that's what they go. Yeah, there's no, there's no monster. There's no, um, a di- there's no gory. Uh, there's nothing gory about it. I mean, like it's really tame on the gore, so it's not really a horror movie. And I'm like, that's. That those aren't prerequisites of a horror movie, and so I, I think you guys and and so it started to sound to me more like people who really liked the movie. Well, I mean, Psycho is a is Psycho a horror movie or is Psycho yeah. a social thriller? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Alfred Hitchcock didn't go with glee uh, like like save devilishly this is my first social thriller you know he didn't say <laughs> that or uh i mean silence yeah. of the lambs that's is that is that a social thriller is that yeah. a thriller or is that a horror movie I don't, right I don't know. and so i i i say no what is a monster anyway exactly you can't tell me that bradley whitford and Catherine keener aren't monsters <laughs> they're full I flesh mean, and blood people who like they're full characters for sure but you know they're pretty monstrous they are monstrous and so like like to me i i feel like that criticism is lobbied mainly from people who like the movie but are embarrassed to say they like a horror movie would that be fair to say 
No, no, that's not. I've heard it from quarters where that's definitely not the case. Oh, really? Okay. These are people who like horror movies, and so they thought it was too tame ah. to be considered a horror movie. Right. Well, again, um, you know, we had this the same debate when making my short film that I'm. Uh, uh, and are you referring to <sighs> caution sign? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. 2009's caution sign. Uh, was that, you know, everyone... Is this, is this a, still available online? It is on YouTube and Vimeo. Yes, it is. Um, caution sign. What what should people search to bring it up? It, it, caution sign. You can search caution sign short film. You can also search the actors Rob Nagel and Amber Ganey Mead, and they will come up that way. Um, here, you can also, testing I'm, it now. Uh, it's not uh, here. It's like the it's like seventh... The, yeah. uh, it's um, posted by Pithy Nuance. Yep. Is that that's is that one of that you? That would be me. That's oh, yeah, one of you. Me. Yeah. Huh, okay. If it's up there and it's by oh, a couple of your other things are on here too. Oh, Lord. So okay. The you're you're exposed now. I'm, ex- I'm exposed to uh, the vast amount of listeners we have, <laughs> and to those out there who are, I appreciate it. Um, we have a. Uh, uh, Oh, the reason I bring it up, and we'll see if I cut it out. <laughs> but the reason we brought brought it up is that um, you know we were doing this movie where the you know it's a movie you don't realize is a horror movie until the end. You're not really supposed to know it's a horror movie. Spoiler alert! Yeah, so that's maybe why now you got to add your own movie yeah. to the warning at the beginning <laughs> of the episode. That's right. Um, yeah, because we kept saying, well, are we going to? fulfill the are we going to satiate the horror fans if we don't do something gory or gorier and i go well i don't see why we're worried about disappointing the horror fans the people who see the movie aren't supposed to know it's horror <laughs> so they're not going to go into a net with it with an expectation uh that isn't met because they're not supposed to know <laughs> they're supposed but to then, think they're yeah but then where you had success with this film was at horror when you festivals. took it to horror film festivals. <laughs> so that it did, it, it played at Dark yeah, Carnival and Monster Palooza. Yeah, maybe yeah. you didn't see that development coming. Well, it is a marketing. When you were having that it, conversation, <laughs> it is a marketing. Um, it's a tricky marketing uh, 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 problem, for sure. <laughs> oh boy, tricky marketing problem. Inherent in the uh, in in the uh, in the concept, um, it is the kind of thing uh, you know. Hopefully, you've already paused us and gone and, and watched it. Um, it is the kind of thing that's designed for um, well, like what it is now. It's, it's just sitting up on YouTube, and you'd come across it, or really, it's for like you'd be watching like Night Flight or something, um, mm. and then this thing would just come on, and you wouldn't know what it was all about, or you know. Back when uh, HBO or Showtime would just show like little short films in between, where they they had like eighteen odd minutes to fill between two yeah. feature films, they would just throw a short up there. And I don't know if they do that anymore. I think they would uh, be promoting their original series instead, probably. But uh, it used to be more common, at least when we were growing up. Um, I'd see a lot of cool short films that way. Yeah. Um, just late at night between two movies, I was going to watch. They'd just throw up something that. Um, you would never see any other way. So that's this. 
that's what this is kind of designed for for me yeah, my, uh, my... Uh, when I watch it again is it's something that would just kind of come out of nowhere and, and surprise you and think what was what what was that where'd that come from what was that yeah we we kind of felt like we wanted it to feel at home on like amazing stories basically you know a movie, yeah. what something where you you knew something was going to happen but you had no idea really what they were going to do that time it could be sweet it could be just uh soulful it could be scary it could be sci- you know sci-fi it could be anything so we I mean, thought, it's a little more uh, Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah, but I mean, it probably feel ended up feeling more like Tales of the Dark Side but than uh, one of those oh, uh, anthology uh, uh, series. Yeah, yeah right. Definitely. But yeah, I, I think I think that when you, I I'm of the mind that if you're telling a good story, that trumps any expectation of genre. And trumps is that a good thing or a bad ah, thing? I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> let's let me, let me take that back. Um, if you <laughs> If um, telling a good story well um, supersedes the needs of supersedes, genre, yeah, good good synonym. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, supersedes the need for genre. Ex- for fi- I was going to say fulfillation. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the, uh, hmm. Hmm. Uh, it's going to uh, yeah supersedes the need for. Uh, fulfilling genre expectations in my mind. So like, I wouldn't think that if a horror movie didn't have enough gore, I'm going to, but told a good story, I'm going to walk away mad because I didn't get to see arms come off or something, or I didn't see intestines spill out. So, you know, (laughs) so anywho, um, you did get to see a a hand get stabbed. Yeah. See, that was pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah, so what's yeah? What are you complaining about? You got antlers going through stomach. That's all right. Yeah, there's. You saw a brain. That's right. You see a brain. It's not doing anything. <laughs> it's, it's not. not like it's not like Ashy versus Evil Dead, but it's you know it's, it's yeah. just sitting there. But it's still gore. So yeah, that's something you come across every day. Exactly. Um. So I was you know watching character introductions in this too was a lot. Like really watching how they were introduced, uh, the one that I can't totally like. I was really curious about how Allison Williams was introduced in the movie this time. And do you remember she's how she's buying introduced? donuts? She's buying donuts, and it it pans from what I, I'm trying to wonder if it's like she's it's panning from like white bread <laughs> to her. Oh, is it really? Well, it's pan- there's like a bunch of pa- white pastry breads and things like that, and it pans the donuts, and then it pans to her face. And so she's buying donuts, and she looks all happy and full of expectation. And so I'm just kind of wondering, am I just reading into the white bread thing, or is uh, uh, is there more to that? So I um, I had a, a discussion with this uh, with my friend Steve, who may be listening to this episode. Um, and he brought this up. I'm going to read from his thread. I hope that's okay. Sure. He points out, uh, Steve Campbell from Norman, Oklahoma, uh, writes in to say, um, so Chris is introduced in, with his stark black and white photos, but hers is a donut shop. So it's like the gritty real world versus saccharine sweet fantasy. That's how he took that. Wow. Um, Yeah. Whereas I I wondered, 
uh, whether donuts was just one of those things that white people do, <laughs> like like bingo <laughs> and, and uh, hunting trophies and yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm like, I'm pretty sh- I'm pretty sure I've seen. <laughs> Black people in donut shops, but it's possible I never have. I don't know. Like I wasn't I've been tracking that. It's not something. I mean, you got them in Canada. You got them in Boston. Got them in Japan. Like where donuts are black people. So I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I wonder. So, but you, you, I, but you took it. You saw the white bread thing. We don't. We don't tend to racial profile when we're in uh, donut shops. But yeah, no, I took it the other way. I mean, a lot of them are run by Indian immigrants. <laughs> so, uh, correction, we do racial profile when we're in donuts. <laughs> I mean, as, as, you know, like, I've, uh, I applied uh, for work at one. And... <laughs> um, but yeah, I took it the I took it the other way. I took it like, like, I just looked at white bread and saw her face and I went, oh, okay. But I didn't, I didn't feel like the movie was being critical at that point. So, Stephen's analysis i actually i actually like a lot and whether it's uh, intentional or not i'm 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 just gonna go with that and so uh but what do you think the significance of that is is that she's like she's fake i mean what, what does it mean yeah well i mean at the end she's eating fruit loops out of a bowl and and drinks drinking milk with a straw so she's having a bowl of cereal but she's not eating it with like milk and cereal, she's got like a she's eating Fruit Loops by hand and then sipping milk. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Which I, I used to do that. I used oh, to yeah. love eating dry cereal, including Fruit Loops um, and Apple Jacks. That was my favorite. Oh, Apple Jacks. Yeah. And honeycomb. Honeycomb. Mm. I would take the honeycomb and I would take two, take, find like the biggest, widest honeycomb. I want to say kernels. They're not kernels. or I don't know what those <laughs> they're are. Honeycombs. They're, not, they're not flakes. They're honeycombs. And then you'd, I'd stick them. I'd stand them up oh, parallel yeah. to each other between my back molars and like get them as far back <laughs> as they could and then hold those in there and then take two more and then put those, line those up in front of the, the first ones <laughs> and then just like crunch it all down simultaneously. Oh, man. I just love that. It gave me so wow. much pleasure. I can't even describe why. You, you know what I used to do with them? I used to uh, take one, sometimes two, and I just put it in the front of my mouth and close my lips around it and breathe through it. <laughs> and I would pretend it was like I would. It would pretend like it was like a James Bond underwater breathing apparatus. Oh, and I could just put it I through. Just, I just wish I was a fish and honeycomb was my water. That would be the most blissful experience. I can only imagine my uh, I can only imagine my parents looking uh, into the living room from the kitchen and seeing their son <laughs> with a honeycomb in his mouth, miming swimming through the living room. I mean, uh, would like, you also stick two little ones up your nostrils? So well, you I, could, I, well, I was too you old. You could try to that. live your whole life this way. If well, you <laughs> well, that I would need. That I'd probably need to go for the Apple Jacks because the honeycombs are just too big for that. Oh, Cheerios. And we have to be Cheerios. Yeah, because that's about right. So I put two Cheerios in my nose, honeycomb <laughs> in my mouth, and then Twizzlers in my ears. And that could be one of those little stress balls that you squeeze. Uh, stress uh, squeeze thing. <laughs> All the things we used to do. Now, you know what? The things my son does, does now doesn't look too weird. <laughs> doesn't look too weird now. Yeah. 
Uh, but, okay, so I used to eat dry cereal. I'd eat cereal with my in my milk in the morning, and then, like, after school, I'd have it dry. Because that, that's the time of day it was. Um, but I never would accompany it with even, I think, a glass of milk, much less milk through a straw. Yeah, no, I just well, eat it dry, too. I do it Brian, and then she also I do it like Brian wears, style. <laughs> so she, so she's also um, wearing, uh, like she changes her mode of dress afterwards too. She like combs her hair really straight. Yeah. Now, now she looks like like a Bond villain at that point. She's got her hair slick, like 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 pulled tight. She's she now she's in the full white outfit. She's and that's like kind of is that just whiteness? I mean that that's yeah. like the the candles come out, the fire in the surgery room. Everyone's yeah. dressed in white. I mean, this is when they start to look like a religious cult. Like a cult, yeah. I mean, Which also, is, we, we talked about this last time, but, but I hadn't even thought about... We talked about how they weren't treated like a cult, but they, they actually and that's why the can, That's why the candles were so weird, because I was like, before they weren't treated like a, a cult, it was like just, this is our society being just as our society, you know? And that's what was so scary about it, that it wasn't yeah. like this offshoot of... Um, it wasn't an offshoot uh, rogue element. It was like, no, this is this is this is this is where this is the one we live in, and so like, um, so to see the candles in the surgery room was jarring to me, uh, um, especially on the second viewing. But um, but it was, but then and then the shots where they're all staring at her while she's on the phone with Rod, it's very just evil, purposely staged and made. Look how evil these guys are, right? And yeah. in a way, I feel like that kind of hurts the point of the movie a bit. But mm -hmm. it was also like, well, am I going to deny that they're not monsters? <laughs> I mean, am I, <laughs> I going to deny that they're monsters? No, no, they no. are. We can we can look at them that way because they are. And um, I'm talking myself into um, like in this movie a little less. Really? Because okay. Well, because same with you. Like you, you say that that's that shot kind of undermines the movie a little bit. The fact that after she reveals herself to have betrayed Chris and have been in on this whole thing, and after that point that she changes her hairstyle, changes the way she dresses, mm -hmm. and now eats weird. <laughs> it's um, it, <laughs> it's 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 now she's like showing her real self, and everything before was fake right i think it's a lot scarier if that's not if that's not the case you know yeah, i agree that she doesn't she if she doesn't see a separation between the two right and that was her genuine self the entire time except she you know the conclusion of of everything was that she was gonna that that, that she saw chris's property all along right um but I mean, I guess here's here's I, I mean, I I I I agree 100 percent with that. The thing is, is that one. I get the visual cue of going, OK, we now are viewing them differently now. Right. I get that. We they've been exposed. Now we see them as different. And I get that. But um, I also feel like. I mean, she's also if you think about it one way, her costuming is a lot less complicated now. It's very monochromatic, whereas before she had accessories, she had all these colors and all these everything, and now she's just boom. And so, yeah, it does kind of imply that all that's a put on in this. But in a way, if you think to yourself, if all that 
was a put on, I don't think she could have really sustained it. You know what I mean? So like it would have been more obvious. So like or or wait, and it was fake. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's part of the problem. That's, I think yeah. that should have it would it would that... it would have happened. What you remember my favorite moment in the first time that I ever laughed at the word because uh, I I do not like this word, but the first time I ever laughed at the the word retard because I it just makes me sick when I how that oh mo- come on you were used. like in third grade the first time no, you laughed at that no it was in something about Mary and really yeah where even Matt, as a little kid you never no were guilty of uh, not that word other words yeah but I don't not that because that would have been very much of the times right. To... It, 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 whatever, the first time I heard it, it made uh, used in the way, in a derogatory fashion. It uh, instantly was like, that makes you look stupid. I don't know. It just, it's like, why would you? I don't know. Well, I've you never were, liked it. You were uh, ahead of your time. I guess so. I, that compliment I will give myself. But uh, we're not here. We're not here to give me awards. The, I, I, um... <laughs> I can claim no such uh, um, uh, advanced sensitivity to the term. But, I'm uh, guilty of uh and a product of my generation in that regard so anyway so the first time i ever laughed at it was matt dillon saying telling cameron diaz when he's trying to appear like he's this really nice guy and he's everything she likes he yes. goes oh uh, architecture is just my side uh it's my hobby uh yeah. oh what do you do for a living i work with retards no that's not what he says that's not that's what not he says the line. That... no no the line is this uh it says no uh architecture is just my hobby um, but my real, uh, no, architecture is just my day job, but my real passion is my hobby. And then she says, what's that? And he goes, I play with retards. <laughs> That's right. And, and see, the... cause she had watched him. Right. He, he's, right. He was stalking her and she, right. And, and what I love That's, about that. So, you know, you see, you see her doing all these charitable works, right. but his takeaway was, his takeaway was, she well... just goes and plays with retards. <laughs> See, you know, so it's that's what I that's love. What, that's what makes it funny is that yeah, you find well, out that's the lens he was seeing. The le- that's the thing is that is that you a jerk can pretend to be a nice guy, but he's always going to see the world the way a jerk sees it. Right. So like, what right. do you? So like, you can pretend to be this this super dashing, empathetic, you know, guy who's nice to everyone, but if you were asked to define something, you're going to define it as you define it. You know, and so like it's like, well, well, what's she doing? She's she plays with retail. <laughs> so it's like it's like it's it was perfect. It was just this perfect yeah. encapsulation of of how you can't fake everything, especially if you're stupid. Oh, boy, I hope I got that quote right or else you're going to go drop in the actual line and make me I'll, I'll let it again. go. Either way, the point it wasn't work play. Who cares? Um Although stay tuned for the end to see. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick intermission uh, and uh, we'll be back to talk more. Uh, get out something I planned to have wrapped up by now, but it's just so rich. We haven't even started the whole point we, of this. <laughs> yeah, we haven't started the whole point of this thing yet, but we'll be back and uh, uh, for, for more for more talk. You watched it wrong. Hey, everyone, we're back. Full disclosure, we paused the recording and I checked and I was wrong. It is work with retards. It's just a job, really, you know, something to keep me moving. My real passion is my hobby. Really? What's that? I work with retards. Isn't that a little politically um, incorrect? Oh, 
the hell with that? No one's going to tell me who I can and can't work with, right? Which means that my wife and I have been misquoting this line to each other for years. But it's not. But I want to. I, I think play with retards is better. I think it's. <laughs> I think I edited it to the a, a better choice to a, to maximize the comic effect. You know, I. I I have to agree. Yours adds another layer to it. It adds the observational of like I've studied you and I see what you do. You play with retards. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, I, it it adds that observational layer to it. I think I just yeah somehow I I I was convinced when you said that you know it's been like over a decade since I've seen that movie but when you said the line, I was so convinced I was right because, I've thought about how that word makes it even funnier and I think I've even had that conversation with, uh, with my wife about how that choice of words was what made it especially funny, um, but. Well, oh I th- well. I think we've all learned a lot today, about ourselves. It's funny if, if we're talking about a movie that I've just seen. I'll, right. I'll doubt myself about whether I know something, but something from ten years ago. So I'm so certain I remember it perfectly. Well, it's so crystallized. The, the it, less it, likely I am to have remembered it, the more certain I am. Well, a mosquito encased in amber was encased long, long ago, but it's more perfectly, you know, preserved than say, the one you just, the the one you just saw fly by. <laughs> Is that a Totally unnecessary analogy. The one that flew by <laughs> doesn't need preserving. I think uh, that one would beg to differ. I, I guess that's making. I guess I'm making your point. Okay. <laughs> so now that we've got the offensive uh, line clarified as to what, how exactly it was offensive, that can be put behind us. Yes, I just want to apologize. <laughs> What for being or correcting you for being human needlessly? No, not bothers me. No, no. While talking about retards, I want to. <laughs> oh, so I just laughed at it again. Damn you! <laughs> Should we? Okay, we might we might edit this out. Do you want to talk about the joke you emailed me? What? Which one was that? It's a couple weeks ago. What was it? it? Yeah, I remember texting you a joke, but I can't even remember what the joke was. I know it was an email. Oh, it was an email. I think so. Well, was it work or play? Let's get it right. (laughs) Uh, Here, subject line, dumb joke. Chup. This was the chup. Oh. Chup chup and tard. Oh, the chup one. Did it it have retard in it? Oh, well, that's that's okay. Yeah, okay, I see that. Tard, which should be more offensive than retard. So yeah, yeah. The whole point, well, the whole point was that it is offensive. That's, I'm not. See that that's where there's something about Larry drove. Uh, uh. Wait, Larry. See that that's where there's something about Larry drove. Uh, uh, drew the line for me because I just kept people calling each other retards all the time as to say to to disparage. Disparage a, 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 a someone who had a quali- who had a something that they had no choice in the matter of, you know, it wasn't something they chose to be like, you know, a Trump supporter. <laughs> I'll make fun of someone being a Trump supporter because they chose that. But what if you they... know, I'm not going to make fun of someone with a, you know, learning disability because they didn't choose to have that, you know, and so, um, but to make fun of someone who uses that term. 
or the inappropriateness of that term. Now, that's fine. Although you're dealing with gray area there a little bit when, in terms of interpretation. So yeah, my what was my joke? My joke was that I'm gonna I'm gonna start. Uh, you're gonna uh, start calling uh, ketchup. I'm gonna start um, calling ketchup chup. A, a reasonable thing to one to do. Apostrophe chup. Because in the, but then, conversely, if you're putting a hot dog, I say, can you put some chup and tard on it? <laughs> Something like that, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. And that just, you know, the uncomfortableness of, like, now I'm not going to call it chup because in order to call it chup, I'd have to shorten mustard. You can't say chup and mustard. Yeah. But to shorten mustard would be, in the same way, it would be chup and tard. And if you say chup and mus, then you're thinking, well, that doesn't work because the beginning of it is mus. So you should go with the end like chup, although it'd be cat and mus. So you need chup and tard. And then it makes it, everyone's just uncomfortable. Right, and then I um, I wrote this little thing. Now I know what you're thinking, and I completely understand your objection, because I'm aware that the proper term is mustard, and not mustard. But if you right. think I'm going to take the risk of ruining my lovely hot dog, slathered with all that delicious chup, by asking for someone to put turd on it, well, that's just retarded. <laughs> sandwich in the throat I'd... what if those were the last words you ever heard yeah <laughs> was that's just reta- yeah it would figure so the reason that's funny is you because you thought i agreed with you that the word retarded was offensive but then it turned <laughs> out i'm a stupid asshole that's the, <laughs> that's the twist in the joke but that 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 brings the telling of the joke into the joke right how do you mean? Well, meaning that like the part of the joke is that the teller of the joke is a stupid uh, yes. asshole. Right. You think it's coming from one point of view. And then. Yeah. But it turns right. out the joke is the to- joke was, had a different premise than you thought. Hey, the joke can I, had. Actually, I had been thinking about this recently. I might as well bring it up now. Do you remember this? What better time? Do you remember this happening in college? It's something I felt so bad about like i initially was very proud that i was able to commit and it quickly turned into something that i am ashamed of and have regretted my entire life okay this happened in saga in our this sounds like a joke that went too far yeah absolutely um you and andrew baggerly i don't know what you're gonna say (laughs) this christmas how they'd celebrate christmas or birthdays. It was like how or, yeah. he, he and his yeah. brother they did would, gift exchanges. would do the gift exchange. Yeah. Yep. And But you remember the other guy there, right? No. There was another guy. A guy we had never okay. met before. Okay. So let me set this uh, thing. Okay. So I'm sitting, right. I'm sitting at a table. And I'm sitting across from Andrew J. Baggerly. And you were sitting next to Baggerly. Beat writer for yeah. the... San Francisco. It's funny. I wanted to give him credit right now too, but I didn't remember exactly what he, which what he covers the covers, uh, covers the San Francisco Giants. Wrote uh, the best-selling book about their 
championship in right. 2000 something something. Yeah, really good writer. Great writer. Very funny guy, very friendly. Very friendly. Uh, a Jeopardy uh, contestant. Was he? Yeah, so like I, a couple so, years ago. So I know two Jeopardy contestants then? Yes, at mm, least. At least. Um, oh, wow. Then he was a Card Sharks uh, contestant long ago as who? a child. Be- who was? Andrew J. Baggerly. Really? The of our conversation. Are you saying oh, – I, I, I somehow missed if you said you or he – so, I used <laughs> oh, to watch. You were Car- also. You I, were also on. I used. I was going to say I used to watch uh, Card Sharks religiously, and then I almost changed it to I belong to the Church of Card Sharks, without. But then I realized it wouldn't be good to say that before I said I watched it religiously. Yeah, I, I might not have <laughs> taken that leap with you. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning how to converse. <laughs> um, un- unlike uh, unlike James Comey, I don't know what it's like to talk to humans. Um. Did you hear that? It uh, doesn't matter. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's too big of a tangent to get onto right now. The the story was, what happened was, uh, we were sitting at Saga, and we had done this this thing where... Saga was the cafeteria where we would get food as students. Technically, it wasn't Saga anymore. It was Marriott. But when Marriott bought over the contract from Saga, which had had the contract long before we ever got there, right? And um, but everyone still just called it Saga. Yes. Whatever. So anyway, so we were eating at our uh, uh, communications res college dining hall, which was across the street from our res college. And uh, we were in our little section and it became kind of a thing to do was to try to shock the other one as best we could. We always, I mean, especially at that one table near the front, which we weren't at, at the time. Uh, one of the big things was just to see if you could say the most shocking thing you could do. And for the longest time, that that got me into a bad habit, because for, because all my jokes when I would do this would all be, it's funny because it's Wade saying it, right? Mm. Like it's what he's saying is not funny or way or witty. Mild mannered, sensitive Wade has just said something very cruel and punishing, yeah, and uh, and and totally against off brand. Let's put it. Yes, against um, type. Against type. So that and and it, it became a real problem because I didn't realize it for the longest time. But it wasn't until two thousand six that somebody once told me when I said something offensive, and she turned to someone else and said, uh, "Oh, don't worry. That's just you know, that's who way it is." And I went, "What?" <laughs> He goes, yeah, you know, you just say offensive stuff like that all the time. And I went, uh, no, no, I don't. And then I re- I couldn't say no, I don't, because I did. I was <laughs> saying offensive things. So I, I, it's like I, my life became like a like Mother Night. It became like a Vonnegut story where I was like, wait a minute. I thought the whole it was funny because it was me, a nice guy, saying something offensive. But then I did that for so long that the people that knew me when I was a nice guy... <laughs> didn't weren't around me anymore and there were people who've only known me like that so then i realized oh no when is the point where my my ironic humor is now oh no that's just who you are so i was it was really shocking it was really a weird enlightenment light enlightenment for me you know this used to be a, a a fear of mine that i had um that I had told myself a joke so often that I had forgotten it was a joke and had started believing it. <laughs> right. 
the dice clay effect. And I, I and I, I look at what's happening in our world today uh, and in politics, and I think it's happening. I think it's happened. Yeah, like I fu- think that joke. The fuck your says, feelings. The fuck your well, feelings no, mentality. I just I just mean that someone who ran Even. for president as a joke is now the president. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Yeah, welcome to my world, Trump. <laughs> so anyway, this is all about an anecdote. Oh yes, that's what that's what our podcast podcast should be called. This is all about an anecdote. <laughs> um, so I'm sitting there and 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 uh, we're talking and and then Andrew, uh, has a a guest, who sits down and says, "Hey, how you doing?" And we've never, I've never met him. I don't know his name. I could still see his face very clearly. I, uh, and he sat down. He was rather Sounds like the perfect time to give, uh, old Andy some shit. Yeah. So yeah. I, and this thing, I don't give Andy shit normally. Show, show, show Andy's guest who's boss around yeah. here. And I don't, and, and it was purely opportunistic. It wasn't, it wasn't me trying to show him who's boss. It was me just seeing that opportunity and taking it and, and unwisely. You know, there's a time and place for everything. This was not the time. Well, you know, it was a place, wasn't the time. I, you know, uh, I'm a big fan of letting, giving young people the opportunity to do stupid things. <laughs> well, here comes so that one, they can, so that they can learn from them, which yeah. is exactly what this is. A exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, and so, like, when uh, you're young is when you're supposed to be saying these stupid things. True. Not when you're seventy. Okay, this will come. This will come into that will come into context when I tell you the story. But right, okay, you're right. Dumbass Wade at age nineteen. Yeah, you're nineteen. You know, this should be the type of things he says this, and learns from. When you're seventy you do at 19 and the it should be forgivable. Right. Yeah. Pretty much. Oh, no, no, shouldn't be okay, but it should be eventually forgivable. Forgivable. If you're yes. if you're seventy if you're seventy and president, it's not. I mean, no. Eventually, forgive. I think all things are forgivable hmm. um, with is reflection there, and penance. Is there a difference between and, forgivable and excusable? Yes. Yeah. Because excusable so, implies that um, that there's it's not uh, it, you're not impugned by it. You're not you're not really guilty. Oh, okay. It's, but that so you know, I was gonna say forgivable means yes, you you were guilty, but we forgive your guilt. Right. I mean, that's what I think. Oh, that's, that's, that's very true. Yeah, I took it a little far. But I mean, but there's, there needs to be a middle ground then. Because when a 19-year-old says an offensive, ignorant thing, um, then it's not, I guess it's forgivable, but it's not excusable. Yeah. Right? And, you know, and for, forgiveness comes after penance. Like, you have to. Right. You realize your mistake. Yeah. You try to do better, so then it's forgivable. Then you, right. then you forgive it. But then, then there's forgivable. But then, what about the thing that's like the action's forgivable, but it's not excusable? But there's got to be that thing in between there with the president, where it's like, look, you, what, what's that? You should know better, <laughs> or you should well, have and, gotten this by now. Well, you know, there's another aspect where is if it was your job <laughs> to. <laughs> say the right thing at the right time and you couldn't do it you shouldn't have that job yeah so again that's on us isn't it 
We put him which there. Is Not you and I separately. You know, this is just... <clears throat> yeah. Put someone in that job who can do that job. I wonder if I should preface, like, like tell the story and then edit the story before all this conversation. So well, it this makes is, more know, sense to anybody more our, than us. Our listeners are are now uh, enjoying what I've enjoyed for <laughs> for decades. Like, summations and analysis before you hear the wind up. Oh, I, before I, I get to, I get to hear all your feelings that you have about the story before I get to hear the story. Ah. That's that's, that's uh, how usually how it goes. By the way, I forgot to begin this episode with in summation. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so the uh, so back on the track. So a- Andrew J. Baggerly has a guest, friend we've never met before. He sits down, and within I don't know four minutes. Um, you know, we all say hi, but Andrew's in the middle of a story and he starts talking about what he and his brother do, I believe on their birthdays during a gift exchange. Yeah. And he starts telling a story about how it just kind of came about one dime that one of them sent them a card that was for like a three-year-old girl, right? Is that how it went? It was something like he said, well, we, we send each other a card that's for like a three, like a child, or or for a spouse, and it's just become this thing that they do for each other. Okay, I remember these <clears throat> details differently, okay. but I well, think no. we've established I'm not a reliable. It, it just occurred to me on such <clears throat> things. It just occurred to me that the shame is so palpable. I can't remember exactly what it was he was talking about. Okay, tell it your way because it's probably right, and my way is probably. Well, wrong. he was basically saying that you no, know, I so on his birthday I get him a card for a little girl, and he gets me a card for as a spouse, and that's okay. just that's just what. That's just what we do. And I'm just looking at him and I stop eating and I just decide I'm going to make him uncomfortable. And I just stare at him really hard. Now you're trying to get a laugh. Yeah, I was trying to, it was all to get a laugh. It was all to get a laugh. But, but I just start, I start staring at him and he go and he, he, he starts getting uncomfortable. Like, 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 like he's like, he thought the story would get a bigger laugh than it did. So I start, I just kind of stare at him and I get harder staring harder. And the key gets more and more like, he's like, okay, what's up? What's going, what's up? And so, and, and, uh, I yell and excuse me for using this word. I hate this word, but I say very forcefully. So you're a couple of fags, right? Or, huh? Is that it? And Jeremy starts giggling because he knows what I'm doing. Andrew, Andrew goes, (laughs) he starts giggling too, because he knows he must know that I'm kidding. And then he goes, <laughs> no, and he catches my gaze again, and I've not let the gaze go. I'm holding it really hard. And Can I interject here for just a second just to say I remember your punchline differently? Oh, really? What was it? What I remember you saying is, so you're saying you're a family of faggots? Oh, that's right. That's what, yeah, that's right. It's even worse. So you're saying you're a family of faggots. That's right. I'll, I'll take it. So you're saying you're a family of faggots, right? And I hold it really hard. And I remember he goes, no. And then he catches me again. He sees that I'm still holding it. And he gets, he, he, he gets suddenly like, oh, shit, is this real? And then you burst out laughing really hard. And you yelled, he, he, he's serious. <laughs> and... 
and I'm, I'm just trying to out asshole you. You're trying, yeah, yeah. Or like you thought it was like like, like that, that's unexpected. You're just you're putting the the you're putting the red arrow on. It's funny because he's serious. Like this is unexpected, and I'm sitting there going, I've never committed to something this hard in my life. This is great. Like I'm like I've never held a character this long or whatever without suddenly going. Hey man, I'm sorry. I'm just kidding or whatever, but I'm holding it and I'm like going, I've never done this as long. And then I see the guy next to Baggerly shifting like horribly like upset. I don't remember this aspect at all of there being another party. uh, This is the only reason I remember it. He was sitting there going, he just suddenly got, he got real quiet. He would look like he was kind of burning with like an impotent rage. And he goes, I, 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 I gotta go. And he gets up and leaves. And I've never felt so bad. Well, I, I felt bad before. But that was, I still feel horrible about that because I never got to go. Baggerly and I, you know, I just said, hey, I, you know, you know, I was kidding, right? It was just silly. But I, I couldn't get up. I don't think I got up the, the courage to say, Hey, um, can you tell my find my friend and your friend and tell him that I was just being an asshole on purpose, or you know, it it, it was I was just being an asshole for a bit, but then I, I I couldn't work up the courage because at the same time I thought, well, I was still an asshole. I mean, it doesn't matter if it was for a joke. My intent might not have been assholeish, but my behavior was assholeish. Well, uh, so I was, I was out of context. I mean, it's only, it's only, it's only excusable if you know ahead of time how it's going to be received right? by the audience, right? Right, exactly. And Andy and I were going to know what you were, you were going to know this guy, this guy had no context of what I was going for. But this guy, you, you brought him into a. A situation of, he wasn't bargaining for. Right. And the thing was, this guy, he could have been, he could have been, you know, he could have been like me. He could have been someone who just cannot stand hearing, you know, pointless hatred and bio, violence and would want to get intensely uncomfortable and leave. I don't want, this is not a crowd I want to be with. But I got the distinct feeling that he probably was closeted because I saw that something in him. And it was, it's just a hunch, but that really bothers me. And like, it bothers me to this day that I, I wrestled with a long time with, if it bothered me that I never went and tried to find him and say, I'm sorry, or if it bothers me that I did the joke at all. Well, I mean, we've all learned a lot. I think since then that hurtful words are hurtful. Right. Um, and uh, and I don't, I don't tell those kinds of jokes. No. Um, if I were if I were going to ever tell that kind of joke again, I would be far more careful now. Yeah. Than I would have bothered being back then. Like you know, because other people in the room might also have heard that you weren't right. even at the table, right? Right. Well, heck, but, ISRC like, we never, was we just on the other side. Given a thought to right. those people, right? ISRC you know? was just on the other side of that half wall. They heard that. Yeah. And they're like, who the yeah. fuck is that? So, so like, you know, like, like we were young and stupid and, and it was the early 90s and, you know. Right. And I could forgive myself. I just didn't think about that. 
I could forgive myself for being clueless of context of like, you know, hey, I know my, like when you're young, you're like, I know my intent and that's all that matters. But then you start, the older you get, the more you can start seeing how every other's perspective in the room and how that not just changes, how that changes so much. And so like what I can't forgive for myself is, okay, I put it this way. Have you heard John Mulaney's bit? Um, John Mulaney has a bit on, is it the, is it new in town or the top part? I think it's new in town. He tells a bit about his first moving to, to New York. And he, I had word for word verbatim the same experience when I moved to Chicago, except it was in the Chicago subway system as a L train instead of the um, New York subway. Okay. He, and, and so his, my story, which is exactly the same, but I never told anyone this story before. Because when I heard him saying it, it was like, oh my God, this exactly happened to me. So the story is, there's a, there's a, it's like two o'clock in the morning, in downtown London, Chicago. I'm transferring from the blue line to the red line. I'm doing one of those underground transfers where you kind of have to go up to street level and then come back down and uh, to on another way, and and you're walking under. No, no, what no. were you doing on the blue line on your very first it's, time in Chicago? It, no, I mean it was. I think I flew somewhere. I think I flew. Oh, somewhere you're coming and in I from came back. Uh, and, and either that or I don't remember. All I remember is I knew I was going un- walking under that underground tunnel that connects the two lines. So okay. I wasn't. I didn't. wasn't street level. I was. I was walking through that long underground tunnel that connects the two, two lines. Maybe it was the brow. I. I don't remember. So I'm walking under that long tunnel. There's no one else there, except for one woman who's like some yards away from me. So it's just me and this woman. She's she's ahead of me. And she turns around and looks at me uh, as she's walking. And then she picks up the pace a little bit. And then I go, oh, she must hear the train coming. (laughs) So I pick up my pace. And then she notices I pick up my pace. And so she starts running a bit faster. And then I'm like, oh, maybe she's, you know, this lady puts it, maybe she like, like how you can feel the train coming on a train track, you know, through your feet. And so she's like running. She's, so I start running because I think she's, she can tell the train. And then she looks over, she's like, ah, and then she takes off. So then I'm like, well, this must be right there. So I start going at full sprint. I'm chasing her and I'm gaining, I'm going into Melania's bit, but it's exactly what happened. You know, I'm chasing her, I'm gaining on her. And then she gets to the end of the hallway and she does that little <laughs> foot shuffle dance, you know, like women do when you chase them. And, uh, <laughs> uh, Mulaney gets all Mulaney. It's all Mulaney. But then, so we get to the, we get there and she gets to, she gets to the open area with a, uh, thing. And I realized suddenly, Oh, she's running from me again. Mulaney's delivery, but my exact thoughts. And I, and I suddenly had the realization there's no train. I am chasing this woman. For her point of view, I am out to get her. And so I suddenly go, uh, and I remember, I think I purposely went on the other, I, I remember going there and, and stopping and being in the same room and she's like trying to find some place to hide. And I wanted to go up to her so much and say, hey, I, 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 I'm not, I, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to do that, but that's even worse. I wasn't worse. trying to catch you. I wasn't it's trying just like to catch you. like the thrill of the chase. 
<laughs> and so, uh, so what I actually did was I was going that same way she was going, but I went up on the other side of the track. I like used that bridge yeah. and went on the other side of the southbound just so it wouldn't look like that I was trying to do that. And so like, I just remember going, I should say something to her. I should say I wasn't doing that. She's safe, but I wasn't, didn't, didn't mean to do that. And I couldn't think of a way to do it. That wasn't worse. Like as Mulaney puts it, he puts it like, look, I'm not, I, I, I mean, because in her eyes, I'm an adult and adults <laughs> rape each other kind of a lot. And so he goes, so I didn't want to, hey, you, not, no, I wasn't, no. I, how creepy would it be for him to go, I wasn't going to rape you. I'm a little boy. <laughs> that wouldn't be good either. I just remember thinking when I, when I go home, when I'm on the train home, I'm going, I should have said something even if it was bad because I just contributed to her worldview that the world is a ter terrible place. Well, she's already has that worldview because she was already running from you. Right. True. But I it's mean, just that, one more it, thing. It appears to be established. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I'm six foot three, even as a lanky kid. I think I was wearing my black uh, uh, trench coat at the time, too. Or not trench coat, my overcoat, that wool overcoat. The Tommy Lee Jones fugitive one. Yeah. <laughs> And so I just, I was just like, I've, I haven't made the world a better place for her because I'm just one more, I'm not one, I'm not one, hey, there's someone who's not going to want to hurt me. I'm one of those people who wanted to, but thought better of it, you know, and that, just, I, that bothers me to this day. Those two things. I, I, I do have a question um, <laughs> because I'm trying to visualize this moment where she glances back at you with horror in her eyes. No. That was the Mulaney bit, but she just, she, she just knows how running and running. And when she heard me running faster, she just bolted. And so I bolted and we're just running. And I just, that's, if I had seen the horror in her eyes, I would have gone, Oh, oh wait. But like, otherwise I just see a woman running. That's all I saw. It's like, Oh, she's got that train's supposed to be right there. And I'm running. I mean, that, you know, you were, you were just exhibiting flock behavior or herd <laughs> exactly, behavior. Exactly. I mean, you know? I will say I'm faultless. I won't say that I didn't do damage. You know, and that's 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 been hard to square. Well, once you made your um, once you had your realization, you you felt you were in a double bind where you had no you had no good course of action, so you tried to take the least bad. Right. In that moment, that's right. what you know. The least bad um, in that moment was like was to try to just make her think she was not in danger. Just and she never was in danger. Clear. <laughs> but she never was in danger, but just to be like, she's out of danger now. And that's what seemed to be the most important thing to me, rather than my absolution. But then as, as that got away from me, I was like realizing the leftover psychic, you know, um, the lingering taste of like, this world is a terrible, terrible place. That just, yeah. I'm like, I, it made me, I just, I never wanted to be that again. And then I called Andrew Bagley's uh, family of faggots. <laughs> so I obviously and didn't then, learn. And then 10 years later, apparently we're still making. Oh, 10 years. You're being these generous. These kinds of jokes too. 
to strangers, to, yeah. to people who didn't necessarily know better. Um, so, you know, some lessons are slow yeah, in coming. They're slow in, in coming. That, that, uh, that, that siren song of the laugh uh, has yeah. been uh, the undoing of, of many a, a young yeah. man. I and, think. I, and, I, and I fully believe that, well, you know, Mike Myers would always say that if it was funny, it justified itself. Which I don't believe. I think, I think like in a, especially in a movie context, if something is funny but it doesn't fit, it's harmful to the movie. You know, like if it's a joke that doesn't fit the context of the movie or doesn't fit the tone of the movie, then it being funny doesn't justify it. And I think, yeah. and I think certainly. But, but if we're talking about a Mike Myers movie, <laughs> could, uh, I don't know. Hey, if that's a problem. I don't know. I I quite like So I Married an Axe Murderer. I think it's a good movie. Um, the, uh, but the, the, oh, I'm not sorry. saying that they're bad. I'm saying, no. uh, a joke ruining the tone of a Mike Myers movie. Oh. I'm not sure that's, uh, true. I, I, but that's you know, a pitfall to avoid. Well, that's my OCD because, you know, I've talked to you probably before about the spy who shagged me, right? I'm sure we've that. discussed it, but I don't know where this is going. So go ahead. So um, lead me down that road. We we had this talk. I think we've had to discussed before the idea of should com- characters in comedies have arcs, or oh, do they yeah. require an arc? Right. And I remember you always had a problem with Tropic Thunder because every character had an arc, and I'm like, isn't that called like good writing? <laughs> <laughs> that's how I remember that conversation going You're like even the special effects guy had a dark I'm like yeah because it's like well written okay I don't remember I'm not remembering having this take so I oh don't. yeah so what was my your, 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 so your I, frustration was that every character took the journey that a lead character normally takes all and, like like 13 14 characters all had like Nick Nolte had like a come up it's and then a a, 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 a um, redemption the uh, the the special effects guy had a loss of uh, um, uh, loss of innocence and then found himself again. Danny McBride being the special effects guy. Um, and the, so was my complaint that just that the movie felt overstuffed. Probably. And, uh, I think it, too you, busy. I, think and... you, I was a huge fan of Tropic Thunder. I remember you specifically said Ben Stiller never met a plot line he didn't use. <laughs> Well, like, yeah, like, like, I, like he, no, no, he never read a plot line that he didn't take out. <laughs> I think that's what it was. <laughs> no, 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 no. Vince I never met that a pot. You know, basically he thinks of an idea and it stays in. That's what I think your point was. <laughs> However better. Well, that's how I feel about Christopher Nolan movies. Yeah. Like, Jesus. Like edit yourself, dude. Oh, uh, my, my biggest, I mean, I, I, I probably said this before. Christopher Nolan is does what I think most filmmakers should do. And I respect that he thinks everything out to his logic. I don't always agree with his logic, but my biggest criticism of Christopher Nolan's work is that his dialogue reads like you're reading the treatment for the movie. Yeah. It's like you're reading the yeah. instructions for yeah. the movie. <laughs> exactly. Like I, and, and he's a fan. I remember, I think you put it best. If you, if I may put words in your mouth, I think you said, you said, uh, why does he get, the credit for being a great uh, writer. He's he's not a good writer. He's a great storyteller. I think that's what I thought you had said that at one point. You say he's a great storyteller, but he's not a good writer. And while that might be very harsh, I think it's not entirely inaccurate. 
You know, I think I, 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 I do I do think that like uh, he has an ability to tell a story in such a way that we don't realize how glaringly it's, it's specifically in wrestling in, in specifically in reference to the Dark Knight trilogy and Inception, I think, in a way, too, because but um, he, he tell that he he tells a story so intoxicatingly and so fully realized and, and thought out and everything that like you don't realize that. Like I remember I saw The Dark Knight and was wowed by it and I thought it was just as amazing as everyone did and I met my now wife and I said, Carrie, you're a writer. This is going to get nominated for Best Screenplay. I'm sure of it. Let's go. You're going to probably want I know you don't like comic book movies that much but you're going to want to see it and we go to see it and that whole time I was embarrassed because I went, this writing is terrible because <laughs> the, <laughs> the sheen had worn off. Yeah. The the sheen the, the the sheen of how well and I was now I was looking at its bones and I was like this is like an invertebrate this is like a <laughs> you know it was like it was it's like it's like being a great tailor uh, you're called a great tailor when you're really a body painter <laughs> <laughs> it's like you've painted a suit on a naked person and you're like aren't you a great tailor well no that that I mean that looks great <laughs> but it ain't clothes. <laughs> That's that's actually not a, that's not a good analogy. I might cut that. <laughs> uh, what's the name of the third one with Bane? Is it The Dark Knight Rises? The Dark Knight Rises. That is that movie. That just movie just felt like wall to wall dialogue. Yeah. From the opening minute to the closing minute, even during the fight scenes, like Bane's delivering a fucking lecture. <laughs> you know. Right. Um, uh, it just you know he just he. Everything is like every scene just like starts. There's no, I just find he's got no rhythm to his editing or anything. Mm. Like, I, yeah, his movies yeah. really frustrate me. I never, I haven't even seen Interstellar. I couldn't, like, I, I'm after Inception. I thought Inception really blew. <laughs> we could, we could, with this, we could, we maybe we can do a whole episode. We could do a whole episode on Nolan, Nolan for sure. Um, but then I have to go back and like watch those movies again, and I don't, I really don't want to. <laughs> I do want to see uh, Dunkirk, but um, that that one's intriguing me. But... That's the first one I've had no interest in seeing. I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm just like the the first uh, the teaser trailer. I, I don't gave me that feeling, but then the the most recent trailer I saw, oh, yeah? I'm like okay, I might see this. I could maybe see this movie. So yeah, we'll see. After Interstellar, I did not want to see. I did not want to see uh, the, the teaser trailer made me go, oh great! So I don't want to see Christopher Nolan now do the beginning of Saving Private Ryan, <laughs> which is what the teaser just felt like. Yeah. And 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 Interstellar. Okay, the, this is the reason we were talking. Sorry, we were talking about the dissolve earlier, uh, and our writers that we like on the 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 AV Club, the former AV Club staff that became, formed the dissolve. And long live the dissolve. Long live the dis- short live dissolve. Which I'm yeah. huge fans of the dissolve, and I I'm so sad it's not there anymore. Um, but I remember their their review of Interstellar on there. They did something on the dissolve that I really 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 loved, and that they, the dissolve was a website uh, that yeah is no more by the way. Right, and their move their review w- would have a star rating, but then it would also have a thing called. Um, Oh crap! Was it required viewing or must see or not? Critics' choice, but like it was like some sort of like just they give a little emblem to say for cinephiles you have to see this, right? This is required okay. viewing, and they gave Interstellar two and a half stars, but they gave it a required viewing, and I went two and a half out of five, I think. 
two and a half out of five, but it was required viewing. And I was like, yes, I completely agree with that. Because as a person who enjoys film and likes and, and, and really appreciates cinema, it's a must. You have to see it. But it's also not good. <laughs> it's 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 I mean, it's I take that back. It's complicated because watching the movie is actually very enjoyable. Um, he he's probably the most emotional he's ever been as a filmmaker. Like he actually got a lot of emotions out of me as a viewer um, quite well. How, uh, however, um, it was hard to shake the idea that um, it was him doing 2001 and doing it ham-fistedly. Like, like basically, to me at all, there's a, I don't know if you're familiar, but in it, there's a robot named TARS that accompanies them. TARS? TARS. T-A-R-S. Okay, I thought we were, I no. thought we were going back. No, 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 yeah, no, 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 no. And so, um, uh, it's, TARS is an acronym for something. And TARS is a giant walking, talking monolith. No that, kidding. Yeah. And he's a big black square rectangle with TARS and white written on the side. And he can, he's kind of a Swiss army knife. He can... He can generate all these uh, limbs that he can move on, but it's, they're all very pixely, you know, they're all very block style stuff. Um, okay. But, and so TARS basically explains what's going on all the time. And uh, so is TARS like a Minecraft creeper? Yeah, you know, he's just their assistant robot that actually ends up getting them, saving them at times, and, and ends up, more importantly, running the ship while. Matthew McConaughey falls through the black hole at the end. And um, uh, then he narr- and basically literally goes into Kubrick's light tunnel, right? The, okay. the, the light tunnel at the end of 2001. Yeah. The point I um, like the first couple times I tried to watch the movie, I would wake up during that. Scene. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, but imagine if, imagine if that you see that scene, and you hear the monolith saying, hey, Dave, you're going into this place now that's going to take you to this. That's what Interstellar is. Yeah. It sounds like it's like Christopher Nolan all of saying, Nolan's worst instincts. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. But yet he's very, very capable. He, he wrenches a lot of emotion and gets a lot of very interesting things. He gets a lot of the science right. Um, but then he, the whole thing is basically, hey, do you know what would make 2001 better? If the monolith could walk and talk and tell you everything you needed to know. <laughs> and I'm like, that is just, it's, it's 2001, but with nonstop talking <laughs> and 2001 I, meets his girl Friday. I think I forget what review it was. I it might've been the result dissolve that said that, you know, they, the, how they're talking about how interstellar, you know, gets Neil deGrasse Tyson seal of approval and all the science is right and all this stuff. And, uh, but they use the exact same the ex- literally exact same way to dis- to display how a wormhole works that they did in Event Horizon, that Sam Neill, uh, Lawrence Fishburne movie, I think, where basically you know you take the piece of paper and you fold the piece of paper and you run the pencil through, poke the hole through the pencil to the paper, yeah, and like you're like saying it's it goes literally that's just it's exactly the same scene as in Event Horizon. <laughs> but you know, if you're gonna, it's a good way to explain, way to explain it. it. So I, I don't fault it for that. But you know, it's. Uh, but I obviously I brought it up to <laughs> to degrade it, and somehow. So I don't know. I don't know where my head's at. But um. But yeah, Interstellar is. I think for people who like cinema, 
well, that sounded pretentious. For people who enjoy talking about films, you, you it's required viewing, but it's also, it's, it's, it's it, all I could think of. I, I saw Birdman and then walked into Interstellar right afterwards. And I thought about Birdman for months and Interstellar, all I could think, remembered afterwards was that I just felt it was really ham-fisted. I enjoyed it, but it was very ham-fisted. And that's my take on Interstellar. <laughs> so. so, I have a question for you, Wade. Yes. Uh, given that, in true you watched it wrong style, <laughs> we have gotten this far without even starting to talk about the very thing <laughs> this episode is supposed to be about, which is the alternate ending. Yes, but get out. if you go right uh, into that at the even, beginning, what are we going to talk about after? We haven't even begun to talk about that. <laughs> Give, given that, yes. Uh, do you plan to go back to edit the beginning to where you call this a mini-sode? <laughs> maybe, I think Which more importantly. I thought was presumptuous. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I think maybe I, what I'll do. I couldn't believe you were saying it while you were saying it. I'm like, oh well, boy. My plan was just to talk very briefly about it and then move on to the next episode. But um, uh, yeah, you're right. It was presumptuous. <laughs> I specifically said there'll be a truncated theme. It'll be just very small, very quick, just to say, you, know, you don't have to commit to three hours on this one. Oh, yeah. No, oh, you yeah. had a plan. I had, had a, plan. a plan. Well, that's what, you know, and then, and then you hear the, the booming laughter of an almighty God. <laughs> you will enjoy a conversation, whether you like it or not. <laughs> Pause for laughter. You can laugh in the mic. It's all right. I just like the, the the concept that God made us start telling retard jokes. <laughs> As some sort of yeah. like Job like test. Yeah. Can uh how, how quickly can you lose your audience or sow the seeds of hatred? <laughs> that was your comeuppance for the yes. hubris of planning a conversation. <laughs> the hubraic tendencies of Wade Carney. Where were we? Oh, um, so get yeah. out. I might, I might call it a get out minisode. <laughs> I mean, the parts where we talk about get out. That I, might, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That might be a mini, mini, um, <laughs> minisode plus a lot of other talk. Plus, all, yeah. Okay. Um, so, if you don't know, okay, an alternate ending for get out. Um, is included on the Blu-ray, which is why you're, which was what you bought, right? No, I, I bought the streaming version because the Blu-ray hasn't been. The Blu-ray is probably out now, but it wasn't out when I got. It. Okay, so you bought. Uh, all right, so you bought, uh, and then, uh, but it leaked out, so or either it was posted somehow. So, um, so I'd seen it. it. It's posted around. You can you can find it in a couple places. Um, I just watched it uh, again today on uh, DailyMotion.com. Plug but for I the first old DM. Good old AV Club. AV Club. The website that spawned uh, the writers who went on to form the Dissolve. <laughs> uh, .com, which is no more, but uh, you can hear them now on the, uh, what's it called? I had the, the name last, earlier. Last Picture Show? The Last Picture Show podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, those writers have meant a lot to me. Me too. Uh, over the years. Uh, I think they're all uh, really uh, brilliant um, writers and critics. And yeah. So I recommend finding them where they are now. Tasha Robinson, Keith Phipps, 
Scott Tobias, Tobias, Genevieve Kosky. Mm-hmm. I think those are the four that are on the podcast. Anyway, that was a little aside. Anyway, AV Club is where I came across the alternate <laughs> ending to, to get out. Um, and we say alternate ending. It was the original ending. Yeah. Um, and then he decided he wanted to change it, so he raised some money and shot a new, would shot I, a new ending. Would I, I, the one you saw in the theater was the one he – in the reshoot. Right. And what he, what I heard was that actually um, – or someone had told me this secondhand, so I don't know. But uh, actually, someone – Keith Bozeman told me this. Hello, Keith. Um, had said that basically the producer uh, of Bloom, Bloomhouse said, we're behind you on this. We love this movie, but the ending is such a bummer. <laughs> you, I would believe what you're saying. We, what you're, we believe in what you're saying, but it's such a bummer. We have to do something else with it. Um, and, and I don't know exactly how Jordan Peele came down on one side or the other, but the thing that if you haven't seen the original end, the, the original ending, the original ending is just like the. the we talked version. about this specifically in our previous episode. Right. Which if you haven't listened, what the hell are you listening are you to this one this for? for? So he's choking Rose in the street, the house burning down, everything, and the cops show up. And we've been waiting for that other cop so to show up. You see the red and blue lights of you a see police the red car. Of show a police up. car, flash on his face, and you're 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 you're. Stomach just falls out, and you're like, "Oh, there's no way he is going to be able to talk his way out of this." I mean, like, there's yeah. no. I mean, I mean, everything looks like is all geared to. It's like, "Yep, there's the 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 black man came and killed the white family." Yeah, and and that cop that pulled them over in the beginning of the movie, you've been kind of waiting for him to show, to show up again, and so I'm just like the and movie in, logic. And in the theatrical movie version, logic says that's going to be that cop. Right. Like life logic says, oh, okay, you know, we're dealing with all this racial commentary, the way, the way, the way the cops would handle the situation, right. the way black people are treated by by yeah. police. And in the um, or- that's that's going to be a subject for for critique here too. Right. Right. And in the original version, unlike in theatrical version, where they have that amazing moment of. Uh, Rod stepping, it's the T, you see that the door says it's the TSA, and then Rob steps out and takes And the audience cheers. Audience cheers. And I remember specifically you and I kept referring, before we knew about the alternate ending or the original ending, you and I kept talking about how that moment was so earned. Yes. Like it was so earned. I've never seen a movie that earned that moment more than that one. And um, so it was quite interesting to see that that moment wasn't originally intended to be there. And that what actually happens was it was just two cops that showed up, not the same cop, oddly, but just two other cops that show up, pick him up off the ground, and uh, then you cut to prison, and Chris is in prison, and Rod is coming to um, see him. And uh, Rod is still pushing for him to give him more information so he can go track down and find out where, who these other people are that are, have the brains of black people inside the, or no, no, excuse me. Rod's trying to find the names of the people who are still engaging in this practice. And, um, Chris says, no, he says, no, I'm done. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. And like, again, like he did throughout the rest of the way, I'm good. Like he's backing off again. Like I'm good. But then he mm-hmm. says, I got him. I stopped them. And that's 
he was like that's he's like i'm that's what matters to me and i can't fight this i'm never going to be able to beat this because so he's withdrawing from he's withdraw- conflict again again and then the last shot is him being led back to his cell, which is like his new sunken place. His new sunken place. So what, with that in mind, what do you feel about the original ending versus the new ending? Um, so I could see why the original ending was written the way it was. Mm-hmm. And now I've, so I broke my own rule. I, um, I watched um, a couple of interviews with, Jordan Peele about the alternate ending before? about the original end. So I, uh, oh. before we recorded oh, okay. not not in the future. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe perhaps also in the future. I don't know. Um, uh, so I, I, I've heard his take on it. Um, but trying to take my mind back to, um, before I heard his take, um, uh, I mean, it, it's, it was very much, in keeping with the themes of, of the movie and like taking them one step further, you know, um, it was kind of a natural conclusion, a natural progression from everything that had led before, um, that, uh, of course this is what would happen, um, Mm -hmm. in the aftermath is that the police would show up. The police are from that community. Uh, all the people that are dead are also from that community. They're white, they're wealthy. Here's a strange, black kid from the city um, who came and all this trouble started. So with a story yeah. uh, on top of that, that no one's likely to believe anyway. So, um, so of course he, he takes the fall. Right. Um, and then, and then just like we said that in that last scene that it's just like the, the, the dynamics of his character, Chris's character and uh, his conflict the way he deals with conflict, um, what that conflict was threatening to, to do to him, is just like all those same things just recast now in this new setting right. of him being in in prison, and so like thematically it's kind of perfect uh, yes. in that sense, um, uh, and you could see like you know uh, if you if you think of the movie as like a crystal vase or for lack of a better image to pop into my head, if you think of some kind of crystalline structure, like structurally it's kind of perfect. Like it just yeah. works, right? And like um, um, uh, like if if uh, if script structure is like math, yes. the math works, yeah, right, with this ending, right? It's, um, it's, it's, it's the strongest, it's the most thematic. It, it's, yeah, it's just, it's the strongest all around. You could totally see how on the page you would write that ending and think, nailed it. You know, I right. got it. I, I got, I got. Right. And from what I understand, I got he, what I needed out of that. After he worked on this for many, 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 many years, and um, he wrote many, many different crazy endings. Um, I mean, tons of different endings before he finally found this one, and then again, the other one. So, um, so what was your what was your take? Well, I thought you were getting to a but. Oh, but um, well, uh, give me your take, and then I'll tell you the take I heard from Jordan Peele's lips. Okay. Um, secondhand through a second. camera and microphone. <laughs> um, I I agree. I agree one hundred percent. It was. I felt like when I saw the original ending, I had two motions at the same time. One, 
oh, I like the other one better. The other one felt I, better. I, but, I, I also agree with that. I right. think the other one is better. But I think the theatrical one is better. The theatrical one is better. However, I think the the original ending has a much harder landing landing for um, what the movie's trying to say. So I think the, the original ending is much more successful as a as a better encapsulation of what um, of uh, of. Uh, I mean, I, I can't really say what's a better portrayal of the black experience in America because I'm not black, but it would seem to be that the point being made is better made with the original ending. Which one feels more authentic to you? The original, the original ending. That's yes. what I, feels yeah. more authentic. Um, How, but however, so, I thought to myself, but the new ending, the one theatrical release ending, doesn't feel like it cheapens the movie. Agreed. It still feels earned. And when I watched it, the movie again with the knowledge of the alternate ending, um, I got to the ending and I went, mm, yeah, maybe it cheapens it a little. But had I not known, the, I mean, I think um, it was an incredibly strong choice and a very smart choice not to have Chris at the in Rod's car like feeling like the weight is off of him, you know, yeah. like the way he sits in, the, in that car, in the new ending. Yeah. The new yeah. ending. It's still all on him. He's still like withdrawn. And so like, um, and from what I underheard the, the, the lead actor, the ending was the, one of the main reasons he wanted to do the movie. So I'm curious to see what he eventually thought of the new ending. But, um, mm-hmm. I, I think the new inning is the better way to go from a theatrical experience standpoint. And ultimately it's better for the movie, but for the, but for the point of the movie, the original ending is stronger. So I'm, I'm, I'm torn. I, I really don't know I'm gonna, which I'm disagreeing with you on that. Okay. On your, on your very last point. I don't think the original ending is stronger for the themes of the movie because I think they're contained and I think it's the brilliance of the of the theatrical ending mm-hmm. is there, that all that all the point that's made in the original ending it's all contained in that moment when that you that you describe in your summary Chris is choking Rose is in the street and the black and white lights appear in his face oh and your heart drops oh no right that's all we needed it's all it's all in that moment it's all in that moment when you your right. expectations are oh shit. He's going to jail because however anybody looks at that moment from any background in this country or in the world, they see that they have that same feeling. Oh no, there's no way out. Yeah. I think, I think the audience supplies that right in that moment. And it's, it's contained there and like, in just like one like burst of like emotion and realization. Yeah. It's the realization. Um, You're right. As long as we have that. Yeah. Because Aristotle would say enthymeme. Oh. Right where you you fill in the you fill in the argument for the for the orator, like use use you fill in the argument. Yeah. Jordan doesn't have to show it to you. Peel doesn't have to show it to you because you you fill it in in that moment. Um, but I, then, then you still get to see the door open, and that's right. why that that's why you cheer when you see the TSA. Yeah, is because you don't expect it. Like you right, you you expect the the original ending. And so maybe that's why the original ending feels. And I I feel. 
I feel guilty saying, and I think I'm avoiding saying, that I prefer the new end, the theatrical ending, because it's happier. Like I feel like, <laughs> like it takes the load off of, oh, black people are going to be just fine. <laughs> you know, like it, like it's it's absolving somehow. Like I, the guilt I have is like I don't want to be seen as that. I would rather, I would rather be seen as someone who wants to say, no, you guys got to face the hard truth. But the reality is, is that the original ending. I felt like I felt like it was stronger because it felt more hopeless. And and but I couldn't put my finger on it until just now why I thought that wasn't a good idea. And because well one, I now realize it's a repetition in perpetuity, which which is the problem right now, but like the fact that like we had that moment of realization like he can't get out of this because because of his skin color, they're going to look at that and then realize everything they They've made, they've already made up their mind about everything. And that Mm -hmm. that is experience is what this trying to be conveyed. now that we've had that experience vicariously as an audience, the original ending does basically just do that again and say, it's going to keep going for him every day. And that breaks our heart which is a good thing because it's supposed to, we can be more relatable to the people around us. But as a film, um, it's, it's not, it, it makes it, it feels like it's just, it's, it's a repetition of a point and it doesn't need to be that because we had that moment. We had it. And as soon as we had that empathy and then that, and that realization uh, that we suddenly, our minds filled in the point that the director was trying to make, then that's the most important thing. I think you're, and then the movie can then benefit from the release, the tension release of Rod appearing instead of the police. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Good um, point. I watched thank it. Thank you. <laughs> so what do you, uh, so what do you think about this argument? Um, that if it had been the original bleak ending, let's just say, let's say that's even just an objectively better ending. Then it's a horror the movie. Origi- it's not a thriller. It's a horror ending. movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's say the original ending is just objectively better. If we accept that as a premise, okay. But if you do that ending, people who went and saw that movie get so bummed out they don't recommend it to their friends, right? And so it doesn't become the hit it became. Um, I would say so... that's probably accurate. I mean, I think that's probably very probable that that would have happened. And so the uplifting ending where you get that cheer, now people walk out. Now they'd say to all their friends, oh, you got to go see this movie. Right. And now it becomes an, a runaway hit. Yeah. That's that's a that's a thin line to cross, right? Or is that a thin line? Is it a thin line because you don't want to cross it? Well, yeah, you don't want to. That's a, that's a dangerous, that's a slippery slope. Yeah. Right? Because it is. Because you, you, you do risk, if that's what you're going for, you do risk cheapening the whole enterprise right well i mean honestly i think a lot of movies make the mistake of telling us thematically structuring a movie to come to a certain ending and then when that ending is either ineffective or too effective as a downer the money people then get excited then get um uh worried and say we can't 
we have to leave this on a happy ending so people aren't so bummed out. So then they change the movie to have an ending that's happy or happier. And now the whole movie doesn't make sense because the rest of the movie that they didn't change is all building to something else. And now the end is quote unquote happy, but it doesn't fit thematically the rest of the movie. So I don't think a lot of the movies that, 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 I mean, I just probably lots of exceptions, probably, maybe even a large majority of exceptions. <laughs> but I would think that those movies that do that don't succeed either. You know, they don't, they, because they're confusing because they're not satisfying because the, the end reward isn't satisfying because it doesn't match the beginning conflict. Yes. They don't earn that ending. Yeah. It's a payoff. There's something that it. wasn't asked for. Yeah. And so, or, or a payoff for something that wasn't, the steps weren't taken to get. And so um, I think those movies don't work either. So what Get Out was able to brilliantly do, and it's more of a, it's again a testament to to um, Jordan Peele as a uh, I'm going to say it as a genius. <laughs> um, fair to say. I think it's fair to say that he was able to come up with a ending that released that tension, but didn't detract from his central thesis statement. You know, yeah. The and only... like you say, it's not cheap at all because no, it's not cheap. As as Chris is sitting in the car, the burden's not off of him. Like right. he's not, you know, he's scarred by this. Not only is he scarred by this specific episode for the rest of his life, presumably. Right. Um, but that dinner party <laughs> is going to happen to him for the rest of his life too, right? Because that's just how what life is like if right. you're a black person in a white world. Right. It, it, uh, it, completely separate from this experience at that, in this place, yeah. that dinner party is going to happen wherever he goes. Yeah. If he's right, around too many right. white people. Exactly. And, um, the only thing that I, th- that, that I, I, as I'm thinking about the original ending, the only thing that I wish could somehow be incorporated from it is, and maybe I'll have to, maybe it is there and I just didn't see it, but is, the fact that here he is at the end of the movie and he says, I beat him. I got it. You know, well, he'd say, no, he doesn't say it that excitedly. <laughs> he just says, I'm good. I beat him. And then he's led into his new sunken place. Right. Yeah. I don't recall the, um, theatrical version having a visual, uh, that showed that he was still kind of, that that sunken place is still part of his life now, you know, that like, like he's still withdrawn. He's still, um, he still has the experience of being, you know, of America's view of black people. Like he hasn't escaped that. So like, um, I think, I think, I think perhaps the last, the original endings biggest, uh, point is that our biggest, um, credit is that point is at the end of the movie, even though the threat is gone, the, the the movie's threat, the threat from the family is gone. The he's still he's still being uh, controlled and led to a sunken place. Yeah. So um, I wish there. I, I, I'm, and still and still, you know, part of an institution, part of yet another institution, which right. Um, disproportionately exploits and punishes black people. Right. Yeah. 
So um, I wish I, I not wish because that in, that implies um, uh, failure. But I I, w I I would I would like to have seen that imagery that I didn't know existed until now <laughs> um, somehow be applied to the ending they had. But I still think it's a marvel of of filmmaking to be able to. Uh, change your ending's outcome to such an alarming degree, but still retain the thematic structure of your movie. And also make it to where people leave on a note where they're like, I remember I think I said in the last podcast, it's weird how happy this movie makes me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, like I, I'm, I come out enamored by what um, filmmakers can do. I, show, I showed it to my wife, and um, I don't think she appreciated it very much. I mean, I think, I think she – I think she – well, no. I think she liked – she could appreciate it as being good, but she didn't like how um, – she doesn't like how movies of this nature make her feel. Okay. So um, – and not, I'm not saying uh, like horror movies or, or uh, thrillers or whatnot. Like, like, like she's trying to find – like she will watch comedies that she doesn't like over watching a drama she would because she's just like I don't like I I don't like the feelings I'm left with. We have Better Call Saul season 3 piling up in our queue. Um but uh I keep wanting to start it but she's like I'm just I'm looking for happy. I'm just looking for happy right now. And she yeah. just goes that movie that show could go either way and right now I just need happy. And I totally get that. But like, um, she was also really weirded out when I said, you know, I'm really weirded. I, I I'm weirded out by how happy this movie makes me. And she's like, really? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know it's weird, isn't it? But I mean, it's, well, you're stoked for it. I'm stoked. You know? I'm like, I'm like, look, yeah. look, look. This when you see something that like encapsulates something so well, and and you feel it's so necessary for people to experience, it's exciting. And you're like, you know, how hard is it? I can't even say what I think well most of the time and then he you know worked on this one thing for seven plus years and got it like that and that's just yeah nailed that, it. it nailed it and like that makes me so excited about achievement and it's exciting because it was also a hit which means you're going to get to see more jordan, jordan peele movies and also know? i heard he his after that came out he was kept talking about um him being up for being uh, courted to take on the Akira live action ad adaptation. Akira? Uh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh, please don't. <laughs> please, please don't go the way that this happens. And then it, he, he's really saying that, that he's not doing it. He's going, he's going to go into production on one of the, his newer scripts that he's writing in his social, social uh, horror movie trilogy. And I'm like, yes, you're smart. <laughs> <laughs> You're very, very smart. Because uh, that was happening right around the time Ghost in the Shell was failing. But like, it's just, and this is a this is a conversation for another podcast, I think. But I really want to talk about. Come on, this whole episode has been conversation <laughs> for another podcast. I really want to sometime talk about a bunch of um, remakes of lately that never seem to stop. But there's been a slow slew of remakes that I've seen lately where I'm like, you know what? Actually, that's got an interesting point to make. And the only thing that makes this a bad, a really bad movie is that it's based on the movie it's based on. 
It's okay. like well, let's talk about this. In a, yeah. in pretty soon, we're gonna be talking about Ben Hur. That's right. Um, because yeah. that's how timely we are here. In on, fact, <laughs> you watched it wrong. We we were we were all set to do uh, Ben Hur, nineteen fifty nine, William Wyler's uh, Ben Hur with Charlton Heston. Yes. Uh, now we were, we're, we're going to do it now. now. We were going to do it now. We were going to do the because we thought this get out thing would be get this over in twenty minutes. Right, exactly. <laughs> but of course, obviously, you you can look at the time. Um, uh, and, but then we also at the same time are grateful because one, we like talking about get out, and secondly, um, we suddenly realized it would be stupid to do Ben Hur without having seen the new Ben Hur, which I, I don't know about you, Jeremy, but I I had no interest in seeing. I um I well let's talk about it. We'll let's talk about talk it about later. There in the Ben Hur party. But yeah, so uh, Ben Hur's on its way up. Um, I have two little questions about the alternate ending. No, but endings, both endings. And you're going to get to your the lips of Jordan Peele. I thought. I mean, like oh, what was coming oh. on the lips of Jim Bush? Right. <laughs> Boy, those two well, things that did. I go. do. He does have attractive lips. He does have attractive um, lips. <laughs> that one's for you, Jordan. <laughs> Are you uncomfortable yet, Jordan? Uh, I'm, I assume he's been checking us out. Well, you uh, did I mean, checking out our podcast. You did tag him on a tweet, which I was really shocked by. <laughs> him and Odenkirk. That would took some balls. Well, I, you know, I was trying to get our fifth and sixth follower <laughs> to our <laughs> Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> So Jordan Peele's lips. Um, <laughs> what he what he said in an interview was that he um, he wrote the original ending to make a point that as if the movie had to tell the audience that uh, that Chris wouldn't be treated fairly by the police, as if that would be a revelation. And then by the time he got to that movie just like the 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 culture had shifted to the point where it didn't need to he didn't think it needed to be said and so he tried the oh. new the new ending um well that makes sense yeah you're right because of the times he was making it he's still trying to tell everyone look this is the reality this is what's going to face people but yeah you're right we already had all that on the mind like ferguson and right uh, black lives matter had started up in the meantime and so it was already such a part of the conversation which is interesting. Like I, yeah. you know, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that was is so much less true seven years ago than today. Um, right. It's an interesting, um, interesting point of view. I don't know. Well, um, it, honestly, it makes it does. I mean, like, yeah, that is an interesting point of view. Um, which also makes me wonder if he, if you know, your Catherine's observation about the uh, camera phone. Yeah, being like something that actually really started the new, new, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter movement to show people, look, you, you you can't, it's not conceptual anymore. You're you're seeing it. It's yeah. happening right here, Un, unprovoked and uns, you know, un. Uh, how dare you deny that? How it's dare happening. you? Can't can I you can... deny this right here? Yeah. Um and um. Yeah, that's uh. uh I wonder if that was intentional or not at that point because remember i was thinking i go i bet it's not intentional but it's but it's it's i wouldn't put it past it 
Uh, but um, I wouldn't put it past him to have thought that far ahead. So I wonder if that was part of the drafts early drafts or if or if that came later. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so I had two little questions okay, about the two little questions. First, first is what is the final image in the theatrical ending? Is it them in the car? I think or is it something else. I think it's Rose on the ground with the car. I have, I have it up right here. Uh, I think it's Rose on the ground in the foreground and the cars, please, and the TSA cars driving away. Uh, but it could be, it could be uh, the woods going by through the car window like they had at the beginning of the movie. Oh, at, it could at be night? that. Yeah. All dark. Um, okay, so Just curious. I think it's. I have it right here. I wonder if it ended with well, the two shot of uh, of Rod and Chris in the no. in the car. So Chris is driving. I'm looking at it right now. Chris is uh, driving. Is patting passenger, and then the last shot here is uh, Rose bleeding in the foreground kind of going still Walter's feet are lying there uh, and the car disappears and then it just goes right to the title get out and then the credits go oh okay cool um, second question alternate ending we see Chris sit down in his orange jumpsuit Rod's there at the booth in the prison mm-hmm. first words that Chris says is someone's name. Zeb? Something is saying Zeb? Uh, you know, it's and funny. then Rad says, Zeb's good. It's like Chris is asking how someone is. Oh, that's the dog, isn't it? What isn't dog? It the dog that Rob was sitting for Chris. Remember Rod was sitting a dog? Oh, the little dog. Okay. Isn't that isn't I, that what he I, I didn't I totally forgot about that dog. It's funny because I didn't uh, uh that was the one when I just watched the ending with sound just now cuz I the version I have has commentary over it. Um I, the the first thing I didn't hear was the first word and then when you say good good I go, "Oh, I think that's the dog." And I didn't even bother to check. That, okay, that totally makes sense. I was just trying to think like who's missing from the picture that I'm not remembering and it's cuz it's a dog. It's a dog. Okay. <laughs> All right. I try really hard not to be racist. I'm totally <laughs> a speciest. I, uh, so we'll we'll I, we'll do a get out a minisode update update when we find out that it's not the dog. <laughs> 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 the dog was named something else completely different. That dog is the most uh, likely answer. It's yeah. Occam's razor suggests it's the dog. Um, no, no, Occam's razor suggests that if there's an easiest solution, you should pursue that. Th- that which uses the least amount of resources. I've learned this lately. <laughs> I would. I've learned that they say whatever's the simplest answer should is probably the correct one. That's actually not true. Uh, is that the rule of the law of parsimony? I don't is know. The simplest. Uh, the simplest is the. Maybe. I've never heard of parsimony. I've heard of Paul F. Tompkins' Reverend Parsimony. <laughs> I'm probably saying it wrong, and it's probably parsimony. Well, well, it's probably you're no, you're probably saying it right, and just the it's just the bastard. It's a I have no reason of... to think I'm saying it right. <laughs> I have no basis for my pronunciation. Well, from what I understand, I think Occam's Razor truly means if you have several modes of experimentation to prove a theorem, and there's one that uses the least amount of your resources to do to prove, you should do that one first. Okay. I think that's what that is basically saying. Take, you know, if, if, if it doesn't take much to figure out one, 
do that first. And then if it's right, then you don't haven't spent all the expense all your all your resources on something that may have been more logical but less but would have been more expensive if you hadn't uh, if it was turned out to be incorrect. Okay, so uh we've been talking um, usually our episodes are longer than the movies we're discussing, but we just spent <laughs> over two hours discussing a three minute, 40 second. <laughs> that went to clip. literally went to the stars for a while. <laughs> went to interstellar and I, that I didn't is a write ratio. That. I yeah. dearly <laughs> hope we never come close to it again. Not as much as our listeners. <laughs> All right. Well, again, I uh, I I cannot wait for more uh, Jordan Peele work. Uh, I don't think we have to say again. Get out. Hopefully endorsed. So, yes. Oh, okay. So, so we said oh. back in February, whatever it was, that we thought mm-hmm. come come December this would still be our favorite movie of the year. How's it doing so far? It still is my favorite movie of the year. Yeah, it's still my favorite of the movie of the year too. Now, granted, I haven't <laughs> seen a lot this year. Um, uh, neither have I. But, have you seen Guardians uh, of the Galaxy two yet? I did see that. I find yeah. that is one I did see. I like that. Um, one. Yeah, let's not get into it. Let's not get into okay, it. Right. Let's not get into if, it. If you want to get into it later, we can. No. Uh, yeah, later, some other time. Um, uh, listeners, talk back to us, please. We've talked to you, to you long enough. Uh, <laughs> it's your it's your turn. Oh. Uh, check us out on our Facebook page, our Twitter feed. You can email us at youwatchitwrong at happypanic.net. Um, if you've listened this long, I presume that means you like the episode. So do us a big favor. Log on to the iTunes store and leave a rating there. We could use a, one or two of those, um, especially good ones, to help other people find out. And um, and I don't know. If you like this, tell somebody. Tell somebody. And for all you guys out there who have been waiting breathlessly for our uh, promised Twitter polls uh, of who, which of uh, which one do you think watched it wrong, either Siggy or myself, uh, you're in luck because at, when this episode posts, hopefully I will not have loused up and not done this. But I'm going to say I'm going to do it now. When this episode posts, uh, we're, our Twitter feed will have. Um, polls, uh, uh, Twitter t- poll tweets, poll tweet polls, tweet polls for, <laughs> by the time this air, this uh, is by the time this episode drops, we'll have on our Twitter feed, the, uh, the tweet, <laughs> is it a tweet? Okay. By the time You're not cutting the, this out, I hope I, I, <sighs> I was until now. Um, <laughs> by the time this episode drops, we will have tweets that utilize the polling function <laughs> that you can now vote on which one of us watched it wrong, Siggy or myself, for all the previous episodes. So they should be up for about seven days, uh, or rather live for seven days. So when this post, go to our Twitter feed, Check out the uh, polls, and you can decide which one of us watched it wrong. And if we want to find out which one of us watched it wrong, um, are we following Occam's Razor? 
if we do it this way. I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, <laughs> thanks uh, for Christian? joining us once again. We will uh, talk to you soon about Ben Hur. And uh, if you put that little rubber guard, uh, wrap it around the wristbands, and now you feel it pressing against your wrist, and nothing's blocking your ability to actually tell the time, you swatched it wrong. You watched it wrong. I'm just happy you had one because I, I was like going, oh, God, I don't have one. Yeah, it was my turn. Yeah. I did uh, Watchmen <laughs> get wrong last time. What's the Harper Lee book, the second, the sequel to Kill a Mockingbird? Oh, Go Set a Watchman. Go Set a Watchman. Something like that. So next week it'll be. So if you bring out a sequel to a beloved book written by Harper Lee, you killed a mockingbird wrong. Just because you're good at making drama doesn't mean you'll be a nominee. Just because you took a trip to Bahamas isn't like you know Caribbean needs. Just because you voted twice Obama, it isn't like you fought to make men free, and maybe you deserve love from your mama, you're gonna have to earn that love from me.